If I was to survey this auditorium and ask the question, have you ever found yourself, or even right now, do you find yourself in some area of your life that life hasn't turned out the way you thought it was going to? I wonder if some of you, the uni graduates, if some of you uni graduates may have expected that having graduated from university, you'd be working in the field of choice that you studied for and yet you're not yet in that place. It hasn't turned out the way you thought it was gonna turn out. I wonder if some of the 20-somethings, and I'm not uh, characterising the 20-somethings because this could be true of 30-somethings, 40-somethings or 50-somethings, you're asking the question, you thought by now in life that you'd have figured out what it is that God wanted you to do and yet you're still questioning and searching. I wonder if some of you thought you'd be married by now. I wonder if some of you who used to be married are surprised that you're single again. Didn't turn out the way you thought it was gonna turn out. I wonder if some of you business owners thought your business would be more profitable or further developed than it is right now. That, 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 that you're looking, some of you could look at a certain aspect of your life, a big key aspect of your life, and it hasn't turned out the way you thought it was gonna turn out. You thought there'd be something more, something different, or something better. And it's very much that mood that characterised a point in history where God tapped a guy named Haggai to go and speak to a people, a people for whom at this point in history, life hadn't turned out the way they thought it was gonna turn out. Now, you can uh, open up the Elevate app, tap the Bible section, and it will magically take you to the book of Haggai. While you're doing that, let me just have a quick uh, uh, pop quiz. I'm not gonna judge you or look down my nose or titch titch you, but to how many of you have not ever read the book of Haggai? Just out of interest, you know, it's not a bestseller. Well, it is actually, it's the bestseller, it's in the Bible, but anyway, fair enough, good. Well, I'm glad you're here. And uh, I want it, this is a three-week series and I wanna invite you to join me in reading the whole book of Haggai. It's not that long, you can break it up, you don't have to read it all at once. Um, also, by the way, little spoiler is tomorrow we're going to be we're going to be sending out to our eUpdate subscribers uh, a link to a Bible plan around this series. The time is now, and uh, if you want to get in on that eUpdate in our app, there's a place called Next Step. You tap that, you go eUpdate, you put in your email, you click send, and you'll get that email as well. And that's a great tool. I've already started it. Some of the uh, brainy ones here have already started it. The time is now Bible plan. So we're gonna be teaching around the book of Haggai, this story in history where God tapped a guy to speak on his behalf. Let me give you the backstory. So we jump in the Wayback Machine and we go back to 970 BC. And it's at 970 BC that a guy named Solomon became the king of Israel. And four years into Solomon's reign, uh, God instructed him to build a temple in Jerusalem. And not just instructed him to build some sort of uh, uh, half-baked, uh, janky old relic. He gave him very explicit instructions to build what became a very Instagrammable temple. This isn't from Instagram, but, but if Instagram was, this is what the, fo the photo would have looked like. It's actually an artist's impression and it's not some uh, fairy tale. When you read back through the, the, the time in history where God instructed Solomon to build the temple, he gave very detailed instructions. Where, 
when, how big, how tall, how wide, how deep, what materials to use, where to configure it, what the layout should be. God builds according to patterns and according to plans. And if you wonder why sometimes life isn't turning out the way that you thought it would, sometimes it's because we build life according to our patterns and our plans and we ignore God's patterns and God's plans. That's a little sidebar. But anyway, here's the temple. That, uh, that under Solomon's reign was constructed. And the people of Israel worshiped in this temple for the next 550 years. It was their central place of worship. And not only was it their central place of worship, this was the place that God resided in that time in history. So, so, so very much their relationship with God was tied to this temple. Their, their, their spiritual identity was tied to this temple for 550 years, generation after generation after generation after generation went to this temple to worship. Well, I say 550 years because after 550 years, a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar came in with his armies and routed the people of Israel. King Nebuchadnezzar led uh, probably the most uh, horrific and vile king to have ever lived. He's the, the, the king, the ruler that Saddam Hussein patterned his leadership style after, and we all know how well that went. And he came in, King Nebuchadnezzar came in with his armies and routed the people of Israel, destroyed the temple, that they'd been worshiping in for 550 years and took the people of Israel captive. Not cool. After 550 years, the people of Israel, life had not gone the way they expected it to go. It took a turn that no one saw coming. So they lived in captivity for the next 50 years. Their spiritual home destroyed, taken from their actual birthplace, held in captivity for 50 years. And then God orchestrated to have 50,000 of them released to go and start rebuilding the temple. Here's the assignment. Go back to Jerusalem, 50,000 of you, go back to Jerusalem. You've been talking about this for 50 years. You've been, you've been bemoaning the fact that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed your temple for 50 years. You've been living in captivity for 50 years. God's now giving you an opportunity to go back to Jerusalem and commence rebuilding the temple. And so, and so this 50,000 people went back to Jerusalem and started rebuilding the temple. And they got the foundations down and they built the altar before another group called the Samaritans, and I don't mean the ones that give out um, secondhand clothing, uh, a group called the Samaritans uh, came in and started opposing the 50,000 who were rebuilding the temple. And because of the opposition of the Samaritans to their work, having completed the foundation and the temple, because of the opposition that they experienced, they stopped working on the temple. It got too hard. So they stopped working on the temple. They quit the assignment. But they didn't actually down tools. In fact, the interesting thing and the disturbing thing, and by the way, it's not a 21st century thing, although it is a 21st century thing, but it didn't start in the 21st century. The, the thing is, they didn't down the tools. They just took the tools with them. And instead of working on God's house, they shifted their priorities and shifted their focus and put all their time and their resources and their energy into building their own homes. And they did that for the next 14 years, ignoring completing the temple and putting all of their resources into building their own homes. And it was right then that God tapped Haggai 
But before I read from Haggai to you, those of you that have been circling around here for the last month, I wonder if this doesn't look like a familiar pattern to you. That there was a people held in captivity by somebody else taken from their homeland that God released, in this case, at least 50,000 of them to go to a promised land, to go and do something that He'd called them to. And they got on their way there. The ultimate goal was to rebuild the temple. They got on their way there. They got started. They got busy. They got the foundations done. They got the altar done. And then they didn't start working, but they stopped focusing on what God had called them to do and shifted the focus to themselves. They weren't any less busy, magically filled up every single 24 hours of every single day for 14 years. They built stuff, just not the stuff that God called them to build, not the stuff that God released them to build, not the stuff that God promised them that they would be used by God in the annals of history to build. And they wandered around and around and around for 14 years. Sound familiar? The promise, the assignment, the calling was over here. And so God sent this guy, Haggai. God, Haggai turns up to the king of Judah and, uh, and the governor of Judah and the high priest. And he said this to them, a message from God of the angel armies. The people procrastinate. They say this isn't the right time to build my temple, the temple of God. They'd interpreted opposition as a reason to stop working on God's temple. They'd interpreted opposition as this is getting hard now. This mustn't be what God wants me to do. So I'm gonna stop. And I'll tell you, most of the time, opposition is some of the greatest confirmation you could ever have that you're doing exactly what God called you to do. I would be more concerned if I were you, if you're living a life that's got no opposition because you might not be heading in the right direction. The devil don't want you to fulfill the assignment. The devil don't want you to enter the promised land. No opposition means possibly that you're not going the right direction. It certainly doesn't mean if God's called you to do it at a particular time, it doesn't mean it isn't the right time. And so the challenge when we're faced with oppositions, when we, when we hit these forks in the road is to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. Does somebody say, I choose? Does somebody just say that, that choices matter? Do, has anybody been here for the last four weeks and see that maybe our decisions matter, that we have choices and our choices can be towards the things that God's calling us to do or away from them? And, 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 and opposition isn't the reason to not do what God's called you to do because often we have to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. When someone hurts you, it's easy to take offence. Notice I said take offence and hold a grudge. These are things that you do. Take offence, hold a grudge. That's easy, easy. Any emotionally immature, non-resilient person will do that. 
And I say that critically, that's the reality. It's hard and it's right to forgive that person just as Jesus has forgiven you. It's easy to spend more than you earn. Just nimble it. All your credit cards maxed out, it's fine. You haven't run out of options. Just nimble it. It just looks so cute. Oh, debt, wonderful. You know, there's um, pay, payday lenders. You know, there, there's a, I've never, you know payday lenders? Do we have them? We have them, right? Payday lenders, what are they called? Let's name and shame them, shall we? <laughs> I, okay, I'm not gonna name and shame them, but the, you get the point. Do you know, uh, do you know, that uh, payday lenders, and the concept meaning like before, they call them payday lenders, they're not. They're before payday lenders, meaning your last pay didn't make it to the finish line. So you're gonna have to get an advance, but not from your boss, but from these lenders. Do you know with the interest rates they charge, the way the contracts are set up, that you will typically pay? Does anyone have any idea of what the repayment rate is on, on pay, payday lenders? Just Okay, let me say it differently. Does anyone know the actualized annual equivalent? Yeah, they say it's 24, but, but it's 600%, 600% per annum interest. Because you have to repay it within about eight days. But if you, if you then multiply the amount of interest you paid, oh, it's only 20 bucks or 40 bucks. Yeah, okay, over a year, 600%. That's a great idea, great idea. Just nimble it. Knucklehead it. It's easy to spend more than you earn, but it's hard and it's right to get out of debt and to, to, to operate in what I said last week and I believe is the biblical pattern to give, invest and live off the rest. Hard and right. It's easy to back down from doing something God's called you to do when it gets hard, but it's hard and it's right to recognise that God's called you he knows it's the right time and He's empowered you by His Holy Spirit to, to push against and overcome the opposition and the adversity. So a question this morning, is there some hard and right unfinished business in your life? As you sit here this morning, is this something that God has called you to do? Maybe yesterday, Maybe last month, maybe last year, maybe like the people, these 50,000, maybe 14 years ago, and yet you've left it unfinished. Well, I wanna challenge you to consider resuming the assignment to picking up the hard right. Let me show you one of the greatest stories that's come across my feed in the last couple of weeks. Let me introduce you to Steve and Angela. Uh, Steve and Angela on the left, that's Lee Burns on the right. Um, this is them telling their story. Before I do it, let's just, uh, let's just break this up a little bit. Let's have a little, uh, let's play a little game. It's a little game I like to call, Where Are Steve and Angela From? All right, so, so, so let's, start with, uh, let's start with continent. Anyone guesses? Any guesses? Guesses? It's not a racist thing. Don't be like, oh, they're black. They could be from Brazil or it doesn't matter. Anyone guesses? Okay, that's not a continent, but okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can call it a country, that's fine. There are no rules here. There are really. Uh, what, who? 
Iceland. Actually, yeah, all right, all right. Okay, this game's going nowhere. They are from Africa. Now, I'm gonna give the Africans among us. Yeah, 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 you, Becky and Marianne. Uh, does anyone wanna guess which country in Africa they're from? Any guesses? Any guesses? There are no wrong answers. Yes, there are. What, who? Okay, you get three choices. One, wrong. Uh, who? Uh, second, wrong. Anyone else? Anyone else? Peter, brave enough, silly enough. Oh, who said Kenya? Exactly. Who said? Exactly. Look at them. They're like, they're built like Kenyans. Exactly. So well done. I know. How could these morons get that wrong? You, you were going to say Kenya though, weren't you, Peter? Yes. Yeah, good, see? Yeah, and everyone else, yeah. And so was everyone else that didn't say anything. I was going to say Kenya too. Buddhist. Um, Steve and Angela, husband and wife, are from Kenya. And two weeks ago, they were sitting in Hillsong Leadership College sharing their story. And this is them being interviewed, sharing their story. You know what's incredible about this is, is not that they uprooted from Kenya and traveled across, you know, halfway across the world to Sydney to, to study at Bible College, although, it's, although that is incredible. What's remarkable about their story is that they submitted... Their they have to get a visa, student visa. You guys know that. They submitted their application for their visa 18 years ago. And it took the Australian government, I'm not gonna bother you with the details, but, but, but the, long, the, the, the short version of the story is it, is it took them 18 years to be approved for their student visa. God called them 18 years ago to go to Hillsong Leadership College, they said yes and submitted their visa application 18 years ago. And it took 18 years and, 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 and they didn't give up on the assignment just because it got hard. So do you have a hard and right, unfinished God piece of business that you either didn't start or you didn't finish? If so, then what Haggai then said on God's behalf applies to you. Shortly after that, shortly after he'd said to them, they say the time is not right. God said more and Haggai spoke it. How is it that it's the right time for you to live in your fine new homes while the home, the home, God's temple is in ruins? And then a little later, God's not done yet. God of the angel army spoke out again. Take a good hard look at your life. Think it over. Now, if you mistake the pitch in this last line in bold, take a good hard look at your life, think it over. If you mistake the pitch, you'll mistake the character of God. If you mistake the character of God, you'll mistake the pitch. See, this sounds a little harsh, that God's jumping in the face of some people that, that shifted their focus away from what He's called them to do, procrastinated for 14 years, shifted their focus from building His temple to building their own homes. And He comes back and He sends Haggai and gives them an almighty slap across the face. 
And he says, hey, take a good hard look at your life. Some of you have had your parents say this to you growing up. Think it over. But here's the thing. This is not God slapping them down. This is God reaching down to lift them up. He's actually giving them a second chance. They messed up. They procrastinated. They made all the excuses. It's not the right time. They shifted their focus. They put their time and energy and resources into building their own houses. They put themselves first and God second. And He didn't come back just to give them a titch titch, just to give them a psh. He came back to say, Oi, not good. Very, very bad. but I'm not just here to wangle my finger at you. I'm gonna give you a second chance. So, so how about it? It's still up to you. Take a good hard look at your life. Think it over. You've spent a lot of money, but you haven't much to show for it. You keep filling your plates, but you never get filled up. You keep drinking and drinking and drinking, but you're always thirsty. You put on layer after layer of clothes, but you can't get warm. Let, let, me, let me translate this for you into the 21st century. You are working like a maniac at your job and you're miserable. You're spending everything you earn and not prioritizing giving to God first and you're wondering how come you're living from pay to pay. You own more stuff than you've ever owned and you still don't feel satisfied. You earn more money than you've ever earned before, but you still can't get ahead. You're spending all of your free time on leisure and pleasure, but you're still unhappy. Thankfully, if that's you, God's reaching down and saying, take a good hard look at your life, think it over, because I want you to take the opportunity with the second chance I'm giving you to switch your priorities back to the thing I called you to in the first place. Pick up that unfinished business, get it done. Get started on that thing I called you to that you never even got busy with in the first place. Then God said, here's what I want you to do. If, if you're up for taking up the opportunity of the second chance, if, you're gonna to choose to be obedient this time after 14 years. Here's what I want you to do. Climb into the hills, cut some timber, bring it down and rebuild the temple. Super, super practical. In fact, here's how I broke it down. Climb into the hills. There's a process around what God wanted them to do. Hope is not a strategy. We need hope to get the things done that God's called us to do, but hope is not a strategy. If God's called you to build the temple, sitting around a campfire, singing Kumbaya is not going to get it done. Cut some timber. Oh, it sounds like work. Yeah, there's some heavy lifting involved. 
in doing the things that God's called us to do. Some work, sacrifice. Bring it down. Repetitious. You know, so many things in our life are as glamorous as this. Chop wood, carry water. Tomorrow, chop wood, carry water. Wednesday, chop wood, carry water. Oh, sounds repetitious. All right, don't chop wood, don't carry water, and be cold and thirsty. If we only go for the glamorous, we're gonna miss so much of what God has for us in the pattern and the intentionality of what He calls us to do. And, and it's ongoing. Rebuild the temple. Oh, oh, when do I get to stop? Stop when it's finished, not when you're finished. Understand the difference? Let me give you some examples. You wanna get out of debt. Well, great. Hope is not a strategy. There's a process. Do a budget. Try to make sure that your expense column has less numbers than your income column. <laughs> Maybe jump on the debt snowball approach and, 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 and start that strategy for paying down debt. It's a process. There'll be some heavy lifting involved. Oh, yeah, but, 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 oh, the, I just got an email and, and, and stuff's on sale that I like. Yeah, well, there's some heavy lifting involved in you sucking it up and saying no. Huh. Well, how often do I have to say no? <laughs> Until it's done, it's repetitious and it's ongoing. God's called us to improve our marriage. There's a process, really? Not a magic wand? No, not a genie, not a marriage genie, not a, no. It's a process. Maybe, maybe you have to go and get some counselling. Buy a book about improving your marriage. Maybe you have to join an Elevate group where some other people that have a stronger marriage than yours can encourage you and inspire you with what is a process. What, what does it look like? Heavy lifting, yeah. You know, maybe you have to take time out and, and, and have a regular, I didn't like to call it this, Louis and I, have a regular date night, but you know, we don't like to call it that. <laughs> but the principle being, regularly take time out. You know, uh, your kids aren't first, your, your spouse is first, well, Jesus is first, but your spouse is second and your kids are third. And you say, kids, we're back in three hours, don't kill each other. And uh, heavy lifting. Well, I don't feel like it. Don't build a life based solely on your feelings. Repetitious. Honey, how about we go out for a coffee? Oh, I went out for a coffee last month. <laughs> no, darling, it was last year. Oh, well, you know, we've, we do it regularly. Yeah, annually, isn't regularly. And ongoing, when, 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 when should I stop investing in my marriage? <laughs> well, well, when it's finished. But, but, but if you stop investing in it, it's gonna be finished sooner <laughs> than you intended. I'm not throwing shade on, on, on divorce people. I'm just doing you know what I'm saying. It's like, it's ongoing. It's, it's when you had your vows, you, you, that was your goal. This is a for life commitment. Shh, quiet please. 
I want to get healthy. Oh, here's a big one. Don't start that stuff again, Mark. I want to get healthy. It's a process. And I don't mean processed food. I mean, in fact, the opposite. Uh, everything in my world is processed. Okay, that's probably not what I'm talking about. Heavy lifting, say yes to some things, no to others. Repetitious, so you mean most everything I eat should be healthy? Yeah, we'll have to get up and, and move. Uh, sure, but I have Netflix and now Amazon Prime's just dropped. Oh, you're in a world of pain. Uh, and ongoing, again, when should I stop looking after my health? When you're dead, which if you don't start looking after your health, it's gonna be sooner than it meant to. So I'm gonna pray for you in a moment around this idea that, that some of you may likely have something or some things that God's called you to and you've been procrastinating, either procrastinating starting it or you've put the project on hold while you've shifted your priorities to other things. I, wanna, I want you to take a good hard look at your life and think it over. And is there something? Because if there is, I wanna pray for you because, because I wanna pray for you that today you would say between you and God, the time is now. I'm gonna start or I'm gonna resume. This is a wake up call for me. So think about that. Before I pray for you for that, I wanna give an opportunity to people here who haven't yet started to follow Jesus. Because I say to you, if you've not yet made the decision to follow Jesus, the time is now that He's calling you to follow Him now. Not tomorrow, not next month, not in 14 years time. And if you've never made that decision to follow Him, what I want you to do in a moment is just put your hand up. You're saying, Jesus, that's me. I wanna follow you today. The time is now. And when I see your hand, you can put it down and then I'll pray for you. So very quickly, let me look around our auditorium. I'm asking the question, if you've not yet made the decision to start following Jesus, the time is now. Put your hand up and I'll pray for you. Good on you, sweetheart. Well done. I'm gonna pray for you, but I want you to pray with me and actually all of us are gonna pray with me. I'm gonna say little short, punchy, very digestible sentences. Tweetable sentences, one might say. 140 characters or less. And I want you to say these words after me, especially that person that lifted their hand. Say these words. Dear Jesus, today I choose to follow you to put my trust in You. I thank You that I'm a new creation, that my sins are wiped away, that I am forgiven. And I choose from today to follow You for the rest of my days. I thank You that the time is now in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And no golf claps allowed, please. Awesome, awesome. And it might come as no surprise to you that the person that raised their hand came because somebody invited them. It's magic. Now, final prayer, then we're gonna shut it down. Final prayer. If there's something that you answered when I asked the question, is there any unfinished God business? something you either didn't start or didn't finish and time is now for you to start. I'm gonna pray for you. I'm, I'm not gonna have you put your hands up. God knows it, you knows it, this is, knows it. <laughs> this is a transaction between you and Him. I wanna pray for you right now, right now. This is serious business, guys. This isn't a game, you understand that? This is eternity. This is God's kingdom. This is God's purposes. It's not about you, it's about Him. It's about not just what He's called to, to do in you, it's about what He's called to do through you. 
And uh, I'm gonna pray for that for you right now. Jesus, I thank you for the people right now who are making decisions, that are recognizing that the time is now, that, that they've shifted their priorities, that they put the project down or they didn't get it started in the first place, that there's some unfinished business that you've called them to, something they need to pick up, something they need to, to, to refocus their priorities on, God. I pray that you, from this day forward, give them the strength, Give them the courage. Keep their eyes fixed on you, fixed on your kingdom, fixed on your priorities, fixed on your purposes, that they recognise that you're first and we're second. And that we will hear great stories of triumph, great stories of breakthrough, great stories of things being accomplished and being built for your glory, God, because of decisions that are being made today, because the time is now. In Jesus' name, I pray.